You're listening to WJMF Radio, the beat of Bryant. What is going on, you guys? Welcome back to Down to the Wire. I'm your host, Brian Costa, and we are officially at the time of the Super Bowl. It is time for our annual Super Bowl preview show. And, you know, we're going to discuss that and a whole lot of other topics. But first, uh, I want to welcome tonight's guest. He is a returning member of the show. Uh, I love to get him on for um, really just any take from football to NBA. We'll even talk some MLB tonight. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a whole plethora of different things tonight. So uh, first and foremost, I want to welcome back Ethan Mulder to the show. Ethan, glad to have you back by my side tonight. Excited to be back. Absolutely, man. Uh, You know, it's going to be a very packed show. We have a whole bunch of different things to talk about tonight. So before we do that, I just want to say that if you guys like this podcast and want to listen to more, you can go follow us at down dot to the wire on Instagram, and that will have plenty of links that will take you to our Spotify, Apple, Apple podcast, Google podcast, and YouTube pages. So again, at down dot to the wire on Instagram, and you can watch that. You can listen to this show live at WJMF 88, seven HD two Smithfield Providence. So Ethan, Obviously, I'm glad to have you back with with me tonight. Uh, Before we get into any Super Bowl stuff, though, I do just want to say that uh, we were going to do the show on Friday, but just things had come up. And uh, since Friday, we've had, you know, kind of two key losses, you could say, like, you know, in terms of just pop culture, the first one is a sports loss. And then the second one is is a pop culture loss. First one uh, that happened earlier this week was uh, passing a Carl Weathers, the former uh, NFL uh, the former, you know, inside linebacker who became a Hollywood action movie star. Uh, you know, he became, uh, you know, kind of known for his roles as like Apollo Creed in the Rocky movies or as Chubbs in uh, Happy Gilmore, even appearing in uh, Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, you know, he was an incredible actor, uh, known very much across just different platforms. Uh, I don't know what your kind of experience is with him, but, you know, what's your kind of uh, just overall take on it in this very tr- sad passing? Yeah, I, I grew up rock, watching Rocky as a kid, so um, it's kind of weird to see a childhood figure pass. And also in the new Mandalorian show, which is pretty good, uh, he was a prevalent character, so I, he was a really good guy. Yeah, no, I, I definitely tend to agree with you. I mean, he is a... He definitely is a uh, just an, a very impactful figure. Um, you know, other thing too is that, you know, the other big loss I would say was that of Toby Keith, the uh, you know country music star and you know just kind of icon. You know, having just like so many number one hits, uh, just also another big loss that just happening yesterday. So that was a uh, you know pretty big loss to say to say the least. Uh, in terms of other things that I wanted to get into, the uh, Super Bowl obviously is coming up. Um, you know, we have the Chiefs and the 49ers officially squaring off. Uh, you know, a rematch of Super Bowl 54. Uh, Ethan, you know, everyone, I feel like for the most part, this was the Super Bowl that a lot of people just didn't want because the 49ers just felt like the favorite the entire time along. And then, you know, the Chiefs have, you know, they have their reasons why they haven't been liked right now, just from the quarterback to the tight end to the tight end's girlfriend. Uh, there's just so many different things happening. Uh, I guess just going into it, like, just give me your overall thoughts on the game and, you know, your pick as to who you think is going to come out on top. Yeah, for sure. So obviously, yeah, you're right. Everyone wanted the Lions to get there, the Ravens to get there. But in reality, it's the two best teams in the league that are here. The Chiefs are the best in the AFC and the Niners are the best in the NFC. Mm -hmm. The Chiefs, I mean, they're, they're a winning team. And 
yeah, most of it is Mahomes, but they're also a fantastic defensive team as well. I mean, probably the best secondary in the league. They clamp every single wide receiver. So it's no joke that they're here. Um, granted, yeah, I think a lot of it may be leveraged by uh, the media and NFLs wanting them to be there. Yeah. But at the same time, they're a really good team. So I think this is definitely probably one of the best matchups we could have gotten. Um, but yeah, it's frustrating having Taylor Swift here. Taylor Swift, that's all we heard all year. But <laughs> guess what? It's doing great numbers for them. They've had an insane increase in viewers. I mean, now even young daughters are watching football with their dads, and that was never really a thing. So bringing daughters and fathers together, it's a, it's a, it's it, quite it a miracle. It works. No, I mean, listen, I'll I'll say this: like as much as I kind. It's kind of a joke with the whole Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey thing, at least from my perspective. Like, people want to like hate on it and be like, oh my God, get off the screen. Colin Coward on Fox for, you know, what'll surprise a lot of people actually did make a good point with this. I saw that. Um, you know, he went on air and he said that celebrities are going to get shown at every game. I mean, Jack Nicholson, when he was uh, going to Lakers games, was shown almost routinely. Uh, Spike Lee with the Knicks. Uh, you know, just different different sports stars. If Mark Wahlberg's ever at a Celtics game, it's going to happen. They're going to pop up. So it's not like this completely rare phenomenon where they're only showing her. And something else that he had mentioned, too, was that she's only on screen for about 25 seconds on average. That's how really? that, that's how long she's on screen for. Now, the way that's averaged is whenever Kelsey is shown on the screen, they immediately do a one second clip of her on the screen, which, you know, that will eventually add up over a game, even if it's like, 50 half a second shots that adds up and that's how you get that. But it is something to think about where over a three and a half hour NFL broadcast, she's not even on for half a minute, which is crazy to think about. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't really like, you know, I don't try to get into like the whole celebrity, like gossip of it all, because, you know, at that point, I feel like it just becomes like, you know, we become like, uh, you know, like Britain and we're like looking at like the Royal family and like, what's the queen and the king and the prince is up to. It's like, yeah. I could care less. Like if they if they're happy, good for them. Let them live their life. I mean, if you want to argue that it's being shoved down your throat, like it's fine. Like the game is it's she isn't on the field. She's in the press box. Like, yeah, they're gonna show his girlfriend on the screen. It's that's what happens. So I I'm not overly like upset about it. And and like this is coming from someone like, do I like some of her songs? Sure. But like would I consider myself to be like an over like a head over heels like Taylor Swift fan? Probably not. And, and which is funny because you will see something that I'm going to show about my predictions a little bit later. But um, yeah, like I actually had predicted um, the NFL playoffs up to this point. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I had done was I made a bracket from the divisional round all the way up to the Super Bowl. And what's awesome is that I actually had pre correctly predicted the NFL playoffs from the divisional round all the way to the Super Bowl every single game I had. Um, you know, I had this, I had San Francisco over the Packers. I had the chiefs beating Buffalo, beating Baltimore. Um, and it, just for a couple of reasons, I think that everyone saw Buffalo and, you know, kind of saw KC as being a little bit weaker this year. And I didn't ever really buy that. I just saw, you know, in terms of Josh Allen, he hasn't been able to really show up in a clutch playoff moment. I, I just haven't seen it yet. Like Burrow even la went last year, went into, went onto his turf and, you know, just torched the joint and like he made it, he just completely owned it. And then the same thing with Lamar Jackson. I mean, I know he had a good playoff game against Tennessee like a couple of years ago, but there hasn't been really a game on the line moment where I think he stepped up in a playoff atmosphere. It just hasn't happened. So for me, my whole persona with the chiefs was that they are going to 
just get by in order to get to the playoffs. And it wasn't going to be really on their own doing. It was just going to be the fact that Josh Allen and uh, Lamar Jackson just can't handle themselves. And that just, and that did end up turning out to be true. But what I will say is that I didn't give the chiefs enough credit for their ability to adapt and, you know, really reinvent their offense because when they really, when this dynasty or potential dynasty of the chiefs started off, it's a dynasty. eh, Not, not yet. For me, a dynasty is three for, because that that's this year. That that's typically what defines a dynasty. And if they win a di- if they win this Sunday, then yes, it is officially a dynasty. That is the case. Um, but what could define this potential dynasty and at least this great run so far was the fact that they had an air raid offense uh, with dynamic ride receivers like Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey moving down the field, um, even just good playmakers at the time like Sammy Watkins, McCole Hardman, uh, just really good impact players. That's been taken away these past two seasons. Tyreek went to Miami. And, you know, they made stuff happen with Juju and, you know, Kadarius Tony last year before he completely uh, just turned into a pumpkin. Uh, but, yeah, like he was able to – they were able to get by with a bit more of a receiving core this year. This year they have completely, you know, turned into a ground-and-pound offense, really leaning on Isaiah Pacheco and even Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to, you know, lead the charge for them. And I give them credit because a lot of teams, at least nowadays, they see their identity and they don't want to change it the chiefs actually to kind of took a little page out of the Patriots book and said, all right, you know what? There is more than one way that we can beat you. Cause that was the whole thing with Bill Belichick is that, you know, I remember going into the Atlanta super bowl. Everyone was trying to say, Oh, who's got to guard Chris Hogan. Cause the week prior, he went for three touchdowns against the Steelers in the AFC championship game. Chris Hogan for the most part was a non-factor in super bowl 51. He had some plays in super bowl 52, but a game later he was kind of out of that offense. So I would say for the most part, like, the Chiefs have really been able to reinvent themselves and turn themselves into a machine in that sense. And, you know, that makes them, I think, a formidable formidable foe going into the Super Bowl. Yeah. However. transformed Rashi Rice, too. I mean, he was yeah. not even oh, yeah, thought Rice. about, and now he's a star receiver in the league. Yeah. You know? No, Rice has been a great, too. However, they are not the team that I picked to win. I did go with the San Francisco 49ers. And, again, maybe this kind of does – I did make this pick before seeing how everything went. If I had known that the Chiefs were going to play the way I did, maybe I wouldn't have felt the way I did when I made this pick. But I actually made a little – I'll actually, I'll actually share you with you guys the bracket that I made at the start of the playoffs. And here it is. The thing that I will say what was kind of funny was I talked about, I talked about like not being like a Taylor Swift fan. The name of the, the name of, of my bracket is Swifty. Oh boy. That ironically has nothing to do with Taylor Swift. That's just a nickname that my grandfather kind of gave me for like, like it, whenever I would like mess up at something or say something like kind of like dumb or just like have a moment, he'd, he'd be like, Oh, nice one Swifty. So it was kind of like nice one. Like, uh, like kind of like smart, like, like, yeah, just being just like, swift, yeah. yeah, like, yeah, just being kind of like swift of, you know, swift in the head. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it ironically has nothing to do with Taylor Swift, but I did think that was funny that I was kind of, you know, being like, not like a big Taylor Swift fan guys, but then my bracket is named Swifty. So I did just want to say that, but I actually did have uh, San Francisco advancing to the Super Bowl. And I actually have them win. I have the total teams uh, score being around 48 points. So mm. I think it could be around in that range. Now, I mean, with these offenses, they can, both of them can still go for 40. They really can do that. But, um, you know, the 49ers and the Chiefs do have good defenses at the end of the day, too. Yeah. But, you know, I think the 49ers at least are a more complete team. And I think that gives them a very high advantage in this in this game. I mean, that 
I think having the options with guys like Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, uh, George Kittle, uh, and just having a dynamic run offense as well. I just don't know if the Chiefs are going to be able to really pivot and take care of that. Now, this is the best Chiefs defense that we've had in the Mahomes era, but I don't know if they're going to be able to stop this 49ers offense. Mm. So I don't know. I mean, they, they were able to take care of it a couple of years ago, but you know that was with Jimmy Garoppolo and Emmanuel Sanders kind of coming up short on a couple of plays. And I mean, you know, it largely is a very similar offense to what we've seen, but I think these guys are more seasoned and, you know, the thing with the Chiefs is when they were winning it, again, while I do give them credit for adapting their offense and becoming more of a run-first team, I don't know if that's going to be still equipped to go and beat this um, 49ers team. So you so you still will stick and say the Niners are winning it? Just because I just because I did it early yeah. on. And, and part of me is, like, I don't want to, like, really turn my back on it because at the end of the day, like, I don't know what I'd rather see, like, the 49ers tie the Patriots with six Super Bowls or... Patrick Mahomes, you know, get his third ring and then inch even more into the Tom Brady discussion, which I do think is a little ridiculous. Like, Really? You think it's ridiculous? I think it's fair on. At least at this point. I mean, listen, I think if he wins it, like, you can start to make that bid. Um, and I think that this could build the case for it. But people being like, yeah, he was better than Tom Brady when he was in the league. I'm like, Tom Brady beat him in a Super Bowl. It was 2-0 and against the guy in the playoffs. I'm like, he toe-to-toe, like, people are like, People are talking about like Tom Brady, like he's already been out of the league for 20 years. He was just in the league and he was still dominating at a high level. So like there isn't really a, there isn't really a talk right now where people could be like, oh, you know, he couldn't handle modern defensive schemes or couldn't handle like, you know, new blitz packages or whatnot. That's not the case. He was just in the league and they're already trying to say he was, he's out of, you know, he's like already like phased out. If you want to talk about Mahomes as an athlete, of course that's definitely on the table, but I think that Brady brought more to the table than just being a pure athlete. I think that sure, can Mahomes probably make a crazy play scramble and have, you know, an awesome incompletion in Super Bowl 54? Yeah, of course he can. Or Super Bowl 55 rather? Yeah, of course he can. Um but if you want to talk about a guy just throwing absolute lasers and, you know, having just great precision, that's Tom Brady. Yeah. I I mean in Mahomes defense. So I, I'm a Brady super fan obviously, yeah. but I seriously think Mahomes at the end of the day will end up having a better career than Brady. Mm. And yeah, it sounds crazy now, but if you look at their first few years combined, Mahomes is on pace, if not better in some aspects. Yeah. And to Brady's or to Mahomes' defense, and Brady was probably a better player in his 40s than I would argue in his 30s, to be honest. I think he had a lot more IQ and he just knew the game so well. It was ridiculous. And Mahomes was Mahomes was still in his second, third year playing Brady. So he still really didn't have it all. I mean, he's still like sophomore, really. So. And, and I mean, I'm not saying this like I don't think Mahomes can be like one of the generational quarterbacks. Yeah. I 100% think he can. And I think as of right now, he's completely stood out amongst like this class of quarterbacks. I think that, you know, he is the the like he is like the, you know, just like the like the cash cow. Like he is like that guy yeah. because. I mean, if you want to look at the past era, I think everyone thought, oh, once Tom Brady retires, you know, it's going to be like this whole new NFL where everyone's going to win rings and it's going to be just so there's going to be so much parody. And one year Lamar is going to win it. And then Patrick's might get another. And then Justin Herbert's going to win a ring and then Joe Burrow. And it's going to be all fair and all this. And it's like, no, that's never how it's been. I mean, if you want to look at the NFL going back to the Super Bowl era, you had the Packers in the 60s. Uh, you had the Steelers in the 70s, the Niners in the 80s. Uh, or yeah, the Niners in the eighties, the Cowboys in the, in the 90s, and then the Patriots for the past two decades, which was insane yeah. uh, for people to think that, yeah, it's now going to just be all, all fair is ridiculous. I think that the chiefs are at least going to define these, 
at least to have defined the 2020s. Will it be able to stretch into the 2030s? I don't know because Andy Reid is much older now. I know there are reports that maybe Bill Belichick could see the Chiefs as his next landing so. spot, and then he and then at that point he just becomes Phil Jackson. Yeah. Like at that point, that's literally what he yeah, becomes. But I don't think, uh, no. but I don't know. Like so, that's at least one thing I would say is of concern there. But um, yeah, I think that you just have to think like, like how can like what is like Mahomes' ceiling with this with this group right now? Because I think Travis Kelsey's you know, almost done, if not done. Like, I know he came out in an interview and said that he wants to win four more or wants to win, like, two more to tie himself with Gronk. Mm. So, because Gronk has four, including the three with New England, the one with Tampa. Yeah. And and he kind of said in an interview, like, yeah, there's this guy that I'm compared to all the time. His name's Rob Gronkowski, and I want to tie him in Super Bowls. At the same time, like, fair enough. Kelsey's definitely one of the greatest tight ends of all time. Top three. I still give the nod to Gronk just because of, the fact that he was a pure tight end, I think of Kelsey more as a receiver first. Yep. And sure, could Kelsey block? Sure. But if you think of Rob Gronkowski, he is a tight end that could receive. Yep. Like that is what he is. Even Tony Gonzalez too is. Yeah. I'd give him the edge over they, Kelsey still. Well, yeah, they're, they're Kels, uh Gronkowski and Gonzalez are more pure tight ends. Yeah. Uh, again, not, not, not a knock on Kelsey because he's a fantastic player. We, 100%. We passed on him in the draft in 2013 and drafted Aaron Dobson instead. Are you telling me that I wouldn't have wanted him? Yeah. Absolutely, I would. I would have wanted Travis Kelsey. But, I mean, like, you have to look at it and be like, in terms of position, like, Gronkowski played that position. Like, not that Kelsey's, like, much smaller than Gronk, but Gronk was a Hulk. Yeah. Like, he was a freak of nature. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I do have the 49ers, I think, winning in this game. My only thought process is... You know, up to this point, Brock Purdy, you know, give him a lot of credit. I know people kind of consider him a game manager, which for the most part he is. I don't know if he is, though, anymore. I mean, theoretically he is because they have such a loaded roster, but he makes great throws. He is really good in the pocket. He's able to run. He makes a lot of high IQ plays. And I think this Super Bowl, especially if he wins, but people got to stop saying, oh, he's just some backup. Like, he is one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league for sure. Yeah. And, I mean, as Mr. Irrelevant, too, I mean, this is crazy. Yeah, I don't think he's a game manager in the sense that Trent Dilfer was a game manager when, yeah, when the Ravens won that Super Bowl in 2000. Yeah. I don't think it's like that. Yeah. But I don't But I don't think it's at, like, he's at that upper echelon of, like, a, of like a Mahomes yeah, and those guys just taking over games. Yeah. He does have a lot of help on offense. 100%. And I think if you put him in that, if you put him with the New England Patriots right now, mm. yeah. do you, or the Carolina Panthers or a team like that, is he going to be able to lift that talent to the next level? That's, even if, yeah. even a team like the Houston Texans, is he going to outperform a guy like C.J. Stroud? Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he would. I, like, I don't think. Knows? We don't know. Yeah. So, like, that's the only thing. Like, he was put in the perfect scenario. Yeah. And, you know, but at the same time, he took advantage of it when, when other guys didn't. Yep. There's plenty of teams and players that have always gotten the perfect stuff, and they just don't capitalize. I mean, so. people talk. I mean, people were like, oh, yeah, Brock Purdy. That, like, Brock Purdy's a game manager. But when Sam Darnold got a chance to play for the Niners, he didn't, you know, have, like, these insane games. Yep. It was just that he got by, and he used the weapons he had. And. Mm-hmm. Once they got back to Purdy, yeah, he had his struggles, but they got back on track. And what's the Cowboys' excuse this year? I mean, yeah. that's a loaded team. And oh they lost goodness. to the Packers. That are All of them are like 20-year-olds total from college. Joke. Total joke. So I think there's definitely a lot of respect for Purdy. And I mean, it's a huge game, but I think Mahomes yeah. is going to take it just because he's a pure winner. I mm-hmm. think the Niners are going to lead all game, and Mahomes leads another game-winning drive. Uh, it's Kelsey and Taylor Swift celebrating. It's just... I think that's how the NFL visions it, but also at the same time, Mahomes is just insanely good. Yeah, so absolutely. For you, 
um, this is this was a topic I was talking with some people uh, at work a couple days ago, and it was um, if there's any player on either team, um, you know, the Super Bowl this year is in Las Vegas, and a lot of gambling goes down in oh, Las Vegas. <laughs> and listen, I guess both teams are staying at fields like four, are staying at hotels like 45 minutes the, away. Yeah, way off. But what's an Uber ride or what's a quick like hop in the car? Mm. If there was some guy that's gonna get busted for you know just being kind of a jackass or doing something stupid during Super Bowl week. And you can't say Kadarius Tony because oh. I, I don't think he's going to play in this game. Otherwise, that'd be the favorite. I, yeah. I if, Again, if you had to hammer a favorite in terms of gambling, hammer me. <laughs> give me That's Kadarius exactly Tony who I was going to say every day out of the week. I'll say Clyde Edwards Hilaire. <laughs> <Just laughs> okay. It would be out of nowhere. And you're like, dude, what the heck? And then now he's known as the gambler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's my random take. It'll be Clyde Edwards Hilaire. He's yeah. like, screw this. I'm I'm going to gamble. I, I ain't probably going to get playing time over Pacheco. Let's see if I can make it big. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess if I had to pick one from each team, you'd maybe say like either Rasheed Rice on the Chiefs. No, Rashi, like, Rashi's, he's locked in. Yeah. He's a young like, rookie. He's locked in. Yeah, but he's a rookie. That's know, that's the thing. So I'm, I I'm like just like, Rashi. yeah, but like, you know, we, 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 as New England Patriots fans, we just saw how rookie wide receivers, you know, lose their way with Sean. Yeah. So who knows? Um, the 49ers side, I, you know, he's, the fact that he has experience with both teams, maybe Traverius Ward. Yeah, I <laughs> like, can see that. And like nothing, and nothing on these guys. This is all in good fun. Like re- in reality, like yeah, they're like, good, hardworking players who've made it this far. So yeah, so that's all in good fun. I actually don't like you know like. I, I think in reality it would be Kadarius Tony. That's oh, that guy's a, that guy's a clown. He's he he's is completely clown. falling off because listen, last year he was an impact player. You could say you could say with uh, the Chiefs, like he made good plays down the stretch. Was you know even a solid player in the Super Bowl form. But this year, he has just completely fallen off a cliff and, you know, arguably one of the worst players in the league. Yeah, seriously. It's so bad. He's lost them two games. Yeah. It's crazy. But anyways, we'll we'll move on to the MLB. So yeah, uh, obviously the, the documentary about the Red Sox coming out for the 04 season and this upcoming 2024 season. Uh, are you, you excited for it? Well, I'm excited for one of them. At least for the most part, because <laughs> yep. tw- this year it's the 20 year anniversary of the 2004 Cowboy Up Red Sox. Uh, you know, just breaking four, the curse. Four days in October. I mean, frankly, I don't know if you can make a better 2004 documentary than Four Days in October. Yeah. Now, I mean, if you want to make a documentary just about the 2004 regular season uh, in the ALDS against the Angels, and then it, the rest is just Four Days in October, cool. Because I don't. Because that's one of the best ESPN documentaries of all time. Yep, like if if you ha- again if you if you're a sports fan, and you have, and especially, great, especially a Red especially Sox right. fan, and you haven't seen Four Days in October, it's one of the best things. It's one of the best uh, documentaries I've ever seen. It's amazing. Like, really got it. Really can't say enough about it. Um, but yeah, like, so I mean, it will be exciting to see a 2004 documentary, especially since I, I there actually is already. A, what's funny enough, there's a doc, there's already a documentary about the 2003 Red Sox. Mm. It's called it's called Cowboy Up, yeah. and. Remember, this is the team that choked in the playoffs with Aaron Boone hitting the home run in game seven to send the Yankees to the World Series. There's a documentary about those guys, mainly because the 2003 team was they basically flipped the switch and got the rallies and got kind of that mentality started in Boston. And that carried over into 2004, which resulted in the championship. But I do think it's funny how there's how there was a documentary about these guys for years and there wasn't really a full in-depth I know there are World Series movies about the Red Sox, which, have, you know, that happens with everything. But I'm surprised there wasn't a more like, you know, serious documentary like this for some time now. 
Yeah, I mean, this is obviously the iconic season of breaking the curse. Yeah, 86, 86 years. years. Uh, I mean, just the fact, like, it's a remarkable season. Now, I am so excited to see that. Like, 2024, when it comes out. on the other hand. Yeah, 2024, on the other hand, two decades later. Wow, uh, things are looking grim for the Red Sox. Yeah. I mean, just everything that you could think would go wrong with this team just has. And, I mean, listen, I'm greedy as a Red Sox fan. I've been alive to see four world championships. And so I, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not grateful for that. I am more than grateful for it because the fact that I at least really remember uh, two of them with 2013 and 18, like vividly remember like where I was 2007 kind of like, and then 2004, I was three years old, but I've been alive for all four of them dur during that dynastic run. Yep. Um, but what's happened ever since 2018 is some of the most like just depressing and shameful, uh, just displays of ownership that I've ever seen. I yeah, mean, yeah, ever since you let Mookie Betts walk, um, well, not walk, but yeah, essentially. Basically, you shipped him out for nothing. Yeah, you got rid of you got rid of him for nothing. Because in return for Mookie Betts, you got Alex Verdugo. Um, you know, we don't even have anymore. Yes, well, I'll I'll get to that. You got Jeter Downs and Connor Wong. Connor Wong is the only remaining member of that team. Jeter Downs got cut because he was awful. He, he couldn't hack it in the big leagues. Mm -hmm. And I think the last time I saw him, he was in the Yankees minor league system hitting like a buck 70. Yeah, it was bad. Because like, I was at like Woo Sox games. And so he, was and I. He, and he came back. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Verdugo just got shipped to the Yankees for two minor league pitchers. Yep. So in exchange for arguably at the time, the best player in baseball, you got Connor Wong and two minor league pitchers. <laughs> That's, one that's of the biggest, bad. one of the biggest fleece jobs in the world, and you traded him yeah. to the Dodgers, who give Out away teams, who give away talent like it's, like like it's free. Like they, if you want to talk about a rich farm system, the Dodgers will hand you a top ten prospect in baseball for nothing, mm -hmm. and you couldn't get crap from them. Yes. So like the fact that you messed it up that badly is so shameful. Um, then obviously to boot, you let uh, Xander Bogarts go this past off season, and you know if you want to argue that you know. You know, he was he wasn't going to have as much production down the line. And um, again, like the thing I've said on this show repeatedly is I would have never given Xander Bogarts the contract that the Padres gave him. Um, but you had the op opportunity to give him that money earlier on. Oh, 100 or or, or, or or to give him a lesser contract earlier on rather than lowball him and, you know, basically disrespect him. That's what caused him to leave. And the Padres were just, you know, throwing money out the, out the window and they. And they overpaid for him by so much. Like they, like the Red Sox, it was unbelievable. Um, Devers was basically a sympathy signing to just get the fans to stop. Like, if we didn't keep Devers, I don't, I don't. If know you didn't keep Devers, I don't know if Fenway survives. Seriously, <laughs> like, I don't know if anyone go to a game. So yeah, like it's been really rough to see what John Henry and this ownership group have done. Um, you know, one of the big news stories that happened recently was they actually brought back Theo Epstein, who, which that's who, a good thing. <laughs> yeah. But he, and he was the architect behind that 2014, but mm -hmm. for me, that just seems like a PR power play at this point. I don't Definitely. see anything more than that. Cause I mean, like, sure. Like it will be good to have him as a part of ownership and maybe he can try to like give them some baseball sense. Yeah, I, I guess. But I, I don't know if they're really, I, I don't know if that's really in their purview right now. I think that maybe Theo could, you know, give you some pitching advice or, you know, tell you a little bit more about a certain prospect, but Theo isn't going to get John Henry to spend any more money. No, but I think at least it's a positive mood at least, or a positive move. I think we can at least be happy about that because we haven't done anything positive and everybody else around is making these moves. Yankees bring in Soto. Orioles have a whole new management now. And right away, 
after they get new ownership, Corbin Burns. Like, are you kidding me? What are we supposed to do right now? We haven't made yeah. a single move. Yeah, no, that is crazy. The fact that the Baltimore Orioles, who have been basically for all my life, one of the lowliest franchises there has been. I mean, like mm-hmm. now they won they won the pennant, uh they well, not the pennant, but they won the division this past uh, season. And then they, you know, had a good run, I I think, back in 2014 when they had Nelson Cruz and Mark Trumbo. Yeah, a and long time. Ago. So, like, they, so they've had their runs, but for the most part, the Orioles have been a poverty franchise. Yeah. Like, that's my, you know, knowing of Basically them. like the Lions, to be honest. Yeah, for the most part, at least in my lifetime, that's kind of just what it's been. Like, sure, they'll have a good year now and then, um, but, like, you really can't expect much from them. Now they have young talent. They have new owners who seem eager to either spend or make, you know, big time deals. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you're the Red Sox, you're now looking at this division with the Tampa Bay Rays, who I hate the money ball philosophy, but the Rays, for the most part, are able to it work. Are they right? Relatively. Eh, I'll, I'll discuss that. But <laughs> the the Rays are able to churn out enough prospects that they make themselves um, enough in contention. The Yankees are still spending money. I know they went out this year, this season, just got Juan Soto. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the Orioles are spending money and then the Blue Jays are a talented team too. And that leaves you at five. Yeah. Like I are the fifth best team. And mm-hmm. it's a pretty big gap in my it's opinion. A, it's a pretty steep drop, I'd say. And, you know, this team, besides Brian Bayo, who do you have pitching? Cutter Crawford? Like, okay. it's embarrassing. How man. old is Giolito that we brought in? Yeah, Lucas Giolito. Oh, my goodness. Like That was our best move. Yeah. And, I mean, you're actually not even. Grisham was pretty good. That, that's a great. That's yeah, it's, Vaughn Grisham's an interesting pick. And, I mean, maybe he can have some promise for you. But. That's uh, it. We, yeah. How how is that contending with the the strongest uh, division? It's in not the MLB. It's not, no? and I think that this is why Moneyball doesn't work. And I think the Red Sox are taking it a bridge too far because, like, this is even further than other teams. Other teams would at least say, okay, okay, well, we need to pay some guys. Like yeah, the Red Sox, somebody. The Red Sox aren't paying anybody. And for me, like, Moneyball as a philosophy, if it, if you, if you're thinking, okay, I want to evaluate evaluate one player over the other. And you're trying to say like, okay, what fourth outfield do, do I want to sign? Do, do I want to sign this guy for $3 million or this guy for $10 million? And then analytics and looking into it says like, you know what? They're arguably the same player for a low cost player like that, which I mean, again, that's millions of dollars, but in terms of, you know, MLB and professional sports, that's pennies. Um, like you can you can make that choice and you can say oh, you know what we don't need to do that we can actually save on some payroll here and give it to another guy but if you're looking at guys like Yamamoto like that just went on the market and top free agent pitchers and you know even your own even your own guys and going back to them and just like giving them ridiculous offers i mean the the classic one for um John Lester's is like 4 years 70 million when he i think got double that with the Chicago Cubs mm-hmm. i mean it's laughable the fact that they've been able to do this for this long and you know you know, the four World Series definitely helps, but outside of those World Series years, you really never knew what you were going to get with this team. You're either going to team, you're either getting a team that is at the top of their division, World Series contender, um, or you're getting a team that's a bottom feeder at, yeah. at last place. I think for I forget the, I forget I forget the statistic, but we've been last place for a numerous number of years, and you really just never know what you're getting with this team. Yeah. And even through like you know, the years of the curse, I don't think you saw it this bad with like, with the way that we, you know, our winning has gone. Like, of course we were starving for a world series, so we would take anything. Um, But now like as a fan, like this doesn't do anything for your product. And I think if you're Netflix making a document on the, on the 2020, on the 2024 Red Sox, what the hell is there to watch? I know they what? just want to, 
What? It's a disaster. They want to just see a disaster. Yeah, what? Josh Winkowski is going to be like, Jeez. is going to give like a really good interview. Cooper Chriswell is going to break down his morning commute to the ballpark. Like, like really, like kill me. Like it's, that's insufferable. I, I, I don't know what, I don't know what their thought process. They just want to see us burn maybe. Yeah. I don't know. And, and I think that's honestly like, that's the last case because they see Fenway Park as a tourist destination. They understand that. Listen, we don't need to fill this place up with Red Sox fans because at the end of the day, if you're a baseball fan or just a tourist in general, you're going to see Fenway Park when you come to Boston. And it's like, that's just one of the places I have to go. It's like when New York, when you go to New York, you're not really going to Yankee Stadium, but yet, sure you could. But where are you going to go? You're going to go to the Madison Empire State Square Building. Garden. Yeah, Madison Square Garden. It's just one of those places that you know, okay, that place is always going to be full just because it's like a, a sports mecca. Like that, like it's like Fenway Park, Wrigley Field, like it. That's just one Lambeau Field with the Packers. That's just one of those places that, as a sports fan, you yearn to go to. And I think unless Red Sox fans just just outright say, you know what, we're not going to come to the games anymore. We're not going to buy your merchandise. We're not going to watch Nesson, which you fund. Um, it's not going to end, and the and they're only going to keep continuing to cut payroll. It's ridiculous. It's I, I don't I don't know where they're going with it. So sorry to get fired up, Ethan. Like I baseball is my is my love, so that I love to just like rip into them about this yeah, stuff. No, I'm I'm a whole New England fan of every single sport, and I mean yeah. it, it annoys me when my team's not trying to do anything. And it's ridiculous. What are we supposed to do? And and baseball is already hard enough to watch, anyways. I mean, realistically, who's watching 162 games? That's still an issue. I think they got to figure out. They got to cut down on the games because I mean, why would you go to 162 Red Sox games this year? Seriously, like, well, I mean, I, I, well, eighty-one at home, eighty-one. Well, I guess yeah, eighty-one at home, but still, that that's just a lot to go watch absolute nothingness. So yeah, well, there's nothing with this team that inspires me. Like, yeah, I mean, if, besides Devers, like, I, I don't. In 2018, you had Mookie Betts, Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, Rafael Devers, uh, in the outfield, uh, Andrew Benintendi. Um, you know, just plenty of like just go-to names on the mound: David Price, Chris Sale, Nathan Avaldi, like. Like whenever you would go to a game, like I'd be able to look at my phone and be like, oh shoot, who are we gonna go see today? Oh, cool. It's a, oh cool, it's sale day. Oh, Nathan of all these pitching. This is gonna be a really cool game. Yep. And now I'm gonna probably look at my phone. I'm gonna be like, who the hell is pitching for us today? Yeah, seriously. I like, mean, even two years ago it was a fun squad to watch. The one where we thought we were gonna be horrible and yeah. we ended up going to the, the ALCS. Yeah. Which, that was a great year. And that ironically was just a team that I think one in spite of ownership. Seriously, because, they wanted to just win. Well, prove them wrong. Well, the thing be, with that, the thing especially with that team was after 2020, which you know was a 60 game season, but it was an abysmal year. We were we had a top four pick, the one and that was the year we got Marcella Meyer. Yeah. Um, you know, with how bad we were, um, trying to think, like, yeah, just basically with how bad we were, like expectations were low for 2021, mm -hmm. and then the Red Sox come out and for for a majority of that season, what people forget is. We were one of the best teams in baseball. We were at the top of the division. And going into the trade deadline, we were neck and neck in the division with the Tampa Bay Rays. And the Red Sox had the opportunity to go out there and acquire talent. And listen, they went out and they got Kyle Schwarber. And yeah, that was a great move and it helped us down the stretch. But the only way, reason that they got Kyle Schwarber was that they traded away their 19th ranked prospect because Kyle Schwarber was hurt. That 19th ranked prospect doesn't play Major League Baseball anymore because he blew out his arm and doesn't really play anymore. So if Kyle Schwarber was healthy and had and was on pace for the 40 home run season that he was bound for, we were not, we were not gonna get him. He was gonna go to a probably a larger contender. 
And the team, and we were still saying, because Schwarber, it took like him, I think, two, three weeks to still get back from an injury. And then we tried to have him play first base and this whole other thing. And a lot of people were saying that we should have also looked into like Anthony Rizzo because he was a true first baseman and Bobby Dahlbeck just couldn't play the position. So, I mean, I think you see that. And they said no. And after that trade deadline, we started to sputter a little bit and it caused us to get into, you know, to fall out of playoff contention for a little bit. And we, it took us till the very last game of the season for Pavetta to come in against the Nationals, throw that, throw that drop, throw that dropping uh, curveball, and get us to um, that wild card spot. And that's what prompted the run that took us there. Had they spent at the deadline, who knows? Maybe we have more bullets. Maybe we have a couple more bullets that we can spend, and we actually make that push because we were two games away from the World Series. And frankly, like, listen, that Atlanta Braves team was great. They had a good run. They're in terms of the Braves teams that we're seeing now, they were on the weaker side. And I think that if you catch the Red Sox in that series, I think that you arguably could have caught them. I think so. Cause I, I the, 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 like the Braves took care of that Astros team are not, nah, it was a, it was a closer series with the Astros than I think a lot of people give it credit for, but I think the Red Sox could have gotten it done in that series. Frankly, I think they should have. Do you think the Red Sox can get to 65 wins? Yes. You think so? Mm-hmm. I do. What about what about 70? There's I, no I, I think the over under for them right now is 80.5 wins. I, I think it's way under. It's going to be way under. I think that they'll probably be around like 74, 70, like between 74 and like 78 wins. Last year they had 78. The yeah. team is so much worse. It's worse. Yeah, but I think that what I mean, you're pitching is abysmal. It is abysmal, but I think that you could see this team probably, you know, get get some wins that you wouldn't expect. I think that they'll be around that 75 mark. Yeah, like, I I think that's where you see this. I think they get sixty eight to seventy wins. That's that's where I see them mm-hmm. at. Just unless they make some magical moves, I, it, or, it's not going it to happen. Like it. No, it's definitely not going to happen. And I don't think you see any real magical moves with this team. That's my that's my kind of take on it. But yeah, man, it's it's been a rough time as a Red Sox fan. Yeah, it's I, frustrating. But <sighs> at least it's not frustrating being a Celtics fan. Yes, I'll I, tell you that. Well, that's that's the completely crazy thing, Ethan, because. In, in our time, at least growing up as Boston sports fans, now we've been lucky enough to see all four of our teams win championships in our Red lifetime. Un- Multiple times, too. Multiple Unbelievable. Times. But if you want to talk about, I think, the teams that have driven, like kind of been the drivers in that championship window for us, it's been the Red Sox and the Patriots. Yeah. And the Celtics and the Bruins, yeah. obviously, they obviously had their good runs and thankful for that. And, I'm, and they were great, memorable runs. But it was really the Celtics and the Patriots that, if you were thinking about teams that really, you know, to find that era, it was them. Yeah. Now it's become it's kind of flipped, and the Patriots have Fleet fallen. Opposite, yeah. Patriots have fallen off. The Red Sox don't care anymore, and now the Celtics, um, you know, the kind of quote the Red Sox are going full throttle, and the Bruins also are in it too. And I oh, know no, they are more than it. They're the Celtics and the Bruins are the two best respective teams, and the Pats and the Red Sox two bottom five teams. Isn't that absurd? It's wild, and I think the that. Parody? And frankly, I don't want to really discuss like the Bruins anymore, uh, at least until it gets closer to playoff time, because. What I've learned with the Bruins is the regular season doesn't matter with them because yeah, they can have the yeah. best regular season in history and it goes right down the tubes as soon as you go to the playoffs. Oh, man. Uh, so that is more than disappointing. So I, I I decided to talk hockey on this show last year, Ethan. And after that, I said, you know what? No more. No more hockey. Because <laughs> I, I was like, for the first time, I was like, you know what? I'm going to talk hockey on this show because the Bruins, they're having one hell of a year. As soon as I start talking hockey, they freaking blow it. Oh, so I, I, I'm done with talking hockey. With I them. will say. This definitely could be the year. <laughs> yeah. 
No, absolutely. Like legitimately, but yeah, you're right. I mean, you, you got to wait till playoffs. Yeah, maybe Bergeron right. comes back. <laughs> I know that was a talk. Yeah. Um, But with, with the Celtics, I'll let you kind of lead this segment because this was something that you had wanted to talk about. Yeah, so um, another thing, too. So I think the Celtics, the window in basketball is also very, it, it closes very soon. Yeah. It's just like football. I think football maybe a little more, but the Celtics, they have been an extremely good. They've been top of the top of the league, honestly, for the past couple of years now. Obviously, top of the East for like since JT's been in the league and even, even earlier with the Isaiah Thomas team, that was first oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's just been Celtics, 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 and we still don't have a ring to show from our no. last ring is 2008. And I don't know, we got to We got to win something soon because yeah. we can't keep harping on the 2008 ring. Yeah. You know? no. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean that 2008 team, they talk about that ring. Like they won five of them, yeah, which exactly. is crazy. So we but, need to win this year. And yeah, if we lose, I, I don't know what I can say. If we keep losing, like what, is it going to be, oh, yeah, it'll be next year. How many more next years do we have, realistically? They're really, I, I, for me, it's like this is the year. Yeah. Not not because I think that it's like the end for Jason Tatum. And yeah, Jaylen not Brown. at all. No. Yeah, exactly. But it's the fact that you have so much star talent, and I think that you got rid of uh, you got rid of Williams, both of the Williamses, actually, yep. and you brought in Drew Holiday. You have Derek White. Um, you got rid of Marcus Smart to bring in Kristaps Porzingis, and I think that at this point, after this year, someone's gonna go regardless of it, you, you getting a ring or not. I think eventually, I think it will probably be Derek White. Yeah, he's, pro- he's probably which sucks because he's a borderline all star this year. But Derek White's probably gonna be out this year. Yeah, um, they're probably gonna hold on to Drew Holiday, and I think at this point, like if you can't get it done this year, I don't know if there's another. I don't really see the window. Like you'll be in contention, sure, but like I don't know if it's really going to be realistic after this. I think this is the shot that you have to really go out and win that championship because talent is growing all around the league. Every team is getting so much better. I mean, even the bottom teams are finally starting; their stars are starting to bloom. I mean, you look at Paulo Bencaro, Shea Gillis Alexander, Mm -hmm. Luca's now becoming crazy. So just stuff like that. I mean, everybody's getting so much better. So you got to win when you're really good. Yeah, I mean. I mean, this is something that we'll talk about, but there are plenty of like team. There are plenty of great players in the league, though. That, yeah, sure, they're you know leading their respective teams, but there is a, a I think, a defining and difference between a guy like between teams like the Celtics and the War or, and the then Warriors and uh, like the Denver Nuggets with Jokic. Like, there is something that does separate those teams, mm. and I think that is something that you want to talk about. So. To kind of end the show, what are some who are who would you say in the NBA right now are your contenders and pretenders at yeah. that point? So we'll start with contenders first. All right. So first, obviously the Celtics. I mean, they're a pure contender. They they were in the finals two years ago, and yeah. I think if anything, they're obviously the title favorites. They can win it all. Um, before we get more into the East, let's go to the West. Clippers are number one right now. They just took it first time this season, thirty four and fifteen. They have Russ. Harden, PG, Kawhi. Kawhi, obviously, already won two rings. But the other three, they have been dying for rings, and their legacy is greatly on the line. Everybody, That's the only thing. What do you discredit? Russ doesn't have a ring. Harden doesn't have a ring. PG doesn't have a ring. So these guys want it. And I think this is the year they, they actually can get to the finals um, because who else do you have? You have the Thunder, who are really good. I don't think they're a playoff-ready team yet. They're still so young. Good for them so far. You look at the Wolves. I mean, Ant is extremely young as well, and... Gobert and Towns finally figuring out. I don't think they're ready yet. The Nuggets, 100%. They just won last year. They're still really good. Come playoffs, they might get to the West Conference Finals again. So I think the real contenders in the West are the Clippers and the Nuggets, and even possibly if the Warriors somehow sneak in because, granted, they're having a pretty bad season, but if somehow they find a way to get in the playoffs, you can't count out Curry. 
Uh, it's just, and then if you look in the East, well, to, to, to say right there, I'm surprised that you give it that you gave the Clippers the nod on that because I, I know they've been a joke, but I think this is the year that they actually really want it. No, and listen, I think the thing that's kind of helped this year is the fact that Kawhi Leonard is actually playing in games. Yeah, because he's forced to. He, yeah, now he has to play now, games. And and it's funny because Kawhi Leonard, for the most part, I, I think just doesn't want to play basketball. He's, like he, he doesn't. But as soon as Adams like as soon as Adam Silver says like, hey, if you want any awards or like salaries, you got to play, and he's like, oh, hey, yeah, yeah, screw so. it, F it, I'll play. And now he's just like. Now he's actually like, you know, averaging like 25 and is back to like the version of himself he was in Toronto, which is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, he's just a pure ho- pure hooper and he just treats it like a job. Same thing with Jokic. I mean, Jokic doesn't want to play basketball. No. He's just really good at it. No. So that's the same thing with Kawhi. But I mean, if they're forcing Kawhi to play, he's going to play. Yeah. And I guess if you want to talk about guys like, you know, Kawhi, Kawhi is really the one person I would say when he's in. Yeah, they're a contender. PG. Yeah, sure. He can lock it in too. Harden. I don't know. Last year, last year, people were on broadcast. We're talking about James Harden. Like he was like five years past his prime. And and, and they were like, uh, you know, he isn't the James Harden of old, but he can still give you some buckets. Like talk about him. Like he was like Vince Carter. Yeah, and, no. and I was, and I and listen, I know he's better than that, but I, I think that, you know, like I think at any time Harden can check out like that. And Russell Westbrook, I mean, credit to him. I think he's definitely carved out a better role for himself with the Clippers, but um, you know, th- those guys still concern me. I just wonder, you know, sometimes wh- where they're, you know, where their kind of care is and what, yeah. and are they really all the way in it? So, um, but I'll let you carry on with the East contenders. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just think them because I feel like their windows closed too. If they don't win it this year, I don't think they'll ever win it again. So yeah. they, they are just locked in. Um, but in the East, realistically, I, it's the Celtics and to be honest, the heat, I mean, in my opinion, the Bucks with Doc Rivers, that's a joke. One I, and I think, four. One and four. Exactly. So Crazy. what are you doing there? I mean, listen, like when you have Giannis, who's one of the best players on the planet, anything can happen. Um, I, I'm glad that you did that. And I'm glad that you also kind of kept off the 76ers on that list because they're not going to beat us. Sorry. <laughs> no, they, they're not. Especially like right now. If I mean, if you want to talk about a couple of years ago, could Embiid have beaten us? Sure. Mm-hmm. I think right now, if Embiid beats the Celtics team, that's more than embarrassing. Yeah, I just I don't think it's possible. I mean, yeah, they used to have Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, Embiid, and they didn't beat us then. There's no way they're beating us now. Um, the Cavs are starting to be really good. They're on a crazy streak, and, I mean, there's still a bunch of young guys. I don't think they can beat the Celtics right now. Yeah. I mean, the Pacers have a good record. I don't think they can beat the Celtics. The only team that actually does scare me is the formidable Heat. <laughs> Somehow, some way, they're going to get man. some Walmart cashier guy to shoot fifty percent from three. Yeah. So I, I listen. Even if you don't think that the Bucks are title contenders, I do think that they could still spell. They uh, definitely will give us a seven game series if we play. Yeah, hundred percent. They will definitely give us a series. So whether you think that the Bucks can go seven or not, I think they they, they can actually still play the Celtics well. Yeah. So that is true. some. I I don't want to completely write off the Bucks right, and be right. like, oh, we're gonna run over them because yeah. you still have Giannis. It's gonna really still gonna give you trouble. And, Dame and Dame, too. yeah, and yeah. Dame. So still, but, there is that. I mean, they have been a terrible defensive team, which is why they got rid of Griffin. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I think the Celtics just. I I don't know how they won't win the East this year. I mean. Again, anything happened, but like this is just such a big gap. I mean, they're here and everybody else is so far under. So exactly. But we'll we'll see how that goes. I mean, we got all-star break coming up. JT, all-star again, all-star starter. JB actually might be in the slam dunk contest. Yeah, you see yeah, that? Yeah, that's, that's first yeah. all-star since 2017. So that'd be crazy. I'll be cool to watch a Celtic in the dunk contest. Absolutely, man. I just hope he doesn't hurt himself. Oh, he but better pray, not. Pray to God, because if you hurt yourself, J- JB, oh my goodness. I'll be all right. Yeah. But, but uh Ethan. What a show. 
Yeah. What a show breaking down the Super Bowl, everything else. We are officially now down to the wire. So we're going to discuss what we, uh, you know, what we talked about today and send you guys on your way. Uh, Ethan, first of all, just thank you again for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. Uh, on today's show, we discussed the uh, very sad passings of uh, Carl Weathers and Toby Keith. So RIP to both of them. Um, after that, we got into our Super Bowl picks and predictions. Ethan is rocking with the Chiefs. I am going to hold true and see if the Niners can pull it out. I Listen, I will say to you, I have my doubts. But I do think that the Niners have the ability. Um, on the MLB side, uh, we talked about the two documentaries that Netflix will be making about the Boston Red Sox. Um, and also about like just everything going on there with ownership as well as the Baltimore Orioles and what they're doing on their side. Uh, and then kind of after that, we discussed M- NBA news about NBA contenders and pretenders uh, as we get into the all-star break and everything involved with that. So Ethan, I really do appreciate it. We should really do appreciate it. And from down to the wire, I'm Brian Costa. I'm Ethan Mulder. We hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Take care. Peace out. W J M F. Radio.